0: Hey guys, it's Peter. Man, I'm so excited for you to listen to this week's message. Um, And the spirit of the fear of the Lord was upon us, uh, mixed with the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ, the reality that we have been born again through Jesus, his death, burial and resurrection. Um, Man, it was just an amazing time in the presence of the Lord. Uh, I pray that this message strengthens you, that it causes you to come to terms, come to faith, with what you really believe about what it means to be a son or daughter of God. Bless you guys. Good morning, good morning. Y'all hear me? Getting there. What's up everybody? Happy Palm Sunday. Wasn't worship amazing? Y'all are amazing. Y'all know how blessed we are to have people like J. Lou and Abby and our musicians leading us. Don't just say that, I really, I'm really so thankful that our musicians and worship leaders, they come in with faith. Like they believe what they're singing, they believe there's a man on the other end of those songs that hears us. And what you sense and what you feel is that faith being imparted to us. And I know many of us up a room, we, we believe that. And so I'm just so thankful for you this morning. I'm, I'm so aware that everything we have in the kingdom uh, is given to us. Did you know that? That that Jesus said to his disciples, he says, guys, you're reaping where you didn't sow. You're gonna get to walk in this glory, you're gonna get to see all these signs and wonders, but make no mistake about it, this fruit that you get to experience, you didn't earn. Okay, four of you. I'm I'm aware this morning like my mom is here. Mom, wave at everybody. Let me let me break this down for you, for me, for you. I wouldn't be here literally if it weren't for that woman. I have breath because my mom brought me into this earth and and for years of my life, raised me and loved me and nurtured me and showed me the way of God. My dad, who's not here, he's on mission in Uzbekistan and Bulgaria on the front lines when he could be playing golf and watching the masters. He's in Bulgaria preaching. And so (laughs) my spiritual parents, Joe and Kim Galindo, who led us in communion, who married Christy and I, we met in their home. We wouldn't be married. We've been married almost 15 years. (laughs) And we wouldn't be married if it weren't for these two. We would not be married. We would not have made it through those seasons where it was hard, where we wanted to quit. None of us would be here. Michael and Larissa aren't here. I think they're in Denver preaching and ministering in Upper Room Denver, we would not be here were it not for their yes to God many years ago and the sacrifices that they've made to create a space for people to come and to encounter him. And so I'm just so grateful. I look at Mike. I'm gonna to talk today about the grace of God and the new covenant. And people say, you know, there's a thief. I think Max Lucato said it, right, Robin? There's a thief in heaven that knows more about grace than a thousand theologians, but Mike knows more about grace than that thief. (laughs) And he's taught me about the grace of God, and so I, I just stand humbled and aware that what we have is given to us in the kingdom, freely by faith. One of the biggest challenges to the Christian faith is the God that we serve, that we know and we love, he's an extravagant giver. And there's a mindset in the church that says, that's enough, it's enough. And the Lord says, it's not enough, there's more. And I need to give you more so that you can finally shine and show the world what I'm really like. And so I'm just really, really humbled and honored uh, to be here today. Um, Man, how many of you are thankful? If you are just new, there was a lot of new hands uh, that went up. Uh, If you're new, we've been in a series uh, that technically ended last week but I, I told Miller, I'm, I'm going to keep preaching. I'm going to preach the new covenant. Uh, he preached the new covenant last week, really from the angle of how uh, the new covenant doesn't replace Israel. How many of you know the Christian faith is a Jewish faith? Yes. Amen. Okay. So the promises that God made to Israel will be fulfilled in and through Jesus in the new covenant. Amen. Um, and so for us, many of us, most of us here in this room watching online, we're Gentiles biblically. We weren't, we weren't born Jewish, and I know some of you are, and, and we love you, and there's a coming together in the Messiah of Jew and Gentile. And so we've kind of established this reality that, 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 that Jew and Gentile come together in the Messiah, but um, there's this phrase, and I'm going to jump off on it in a minute, but we're, where Miller read last week that Paul magnified his ministry to make the Jews jealous. And so as Gentiles, I think we have a calling to shine. If you're going to make someone jealous, you better look real good. You better shine real good. You better have something that someone else wants. And so we're going to dive into the new covenant today. Um, But before we do, I had a prophetic word I wanted to read uh, out of Malachi 3.16. If you have your Bible, you can turn there. Malachi 3.16. It's the last book in the Old Testament. So you just go to Matthew and go one over, or you can look at it on the screen. How many of you know... Um, We're in shaking right now. The church is in a shaking. You may be personally in a shaking. The global church is being shaken, is being sifted. Uh, It's really a blessing. It's a good thing, amen? Amen. We want the shaking so that that which cannot be shaken will remain in our hearts and in our communities. Um, And so I really believe that we're coming into days where God wants to distinguish light from darkness. He wants to distinguish his people, sanctify them, set them apart so that it can be known what is a son of God? What is a daughter of God? What is a Christian? Because you walk into many places now and you're like, well, what's a Christian? And it's like this cultural mess. What flavor of Christianity are you? And it it was never meant to be that way. We were meant to be unified under this man, Jesus Christ, in the new covenant. And what would distinguish us would be the very presence of God, the nature of Christ having been formed in us. That's the distinguishing factor. It's not your, you know, your doctrine or, and, and, you know, how you worship and the sound. It was, do you look like him? And in Malachi, he's, he's writing to his people and at the end it says this, at verse 16, then those who feared the Lord spoke with one another. This is incredible to me. The Lord paid attention and heard them. And a book of remembrance was written before him, the Lord, of those who feared the Lord and esteemed his name. A group of people gather, and they're fearing the Lord and esteeming his name, and God says, wait a minute. What is that? He says, y'all, come look at this. Come look at this. There's a group that fears me. Bring me me some parchment quickly. Bring me some pages quickly. I'm I'm gonna write down this moment. I'm gonna write down what they're saying. I'm gonna actually document this moment that it stays before me. God paid attention to men. And what drew his attention? We sang the song this morning. God, I wanna move your heart. He says, fear my name. Fear me and esteem my name. And I believe this fear of the Lord, esteeming his name is gonna distinguish us. Keep reading. They shall be mine, says the Lord. Says the Lord of hosts. In the day when I, when I make up my treasured possession and I will spare them as a man spares his son who serves him, then once more you shall see. Verse 18, you shall see the distinction between the righteous and the wicked, between one who serves God and one who does not serve him. This is what I believe God wants to do in in these days. I believe he wants to put the spirit of the fear of the Lord back on the church, back on his leaders. There's a humility. There's a spirit of the fear of the Lord that I believe he wants to deposit into our hearts so that we're not intoxicated or mesmerized or distracted by all the conversations and the shakings. There's, a, there's this holy gripping that comes with the fear of the Lord where, where the Lord himself actually has all of our attention and our honor. And so just put your hand on your heart and I want to pray this as we jump into the word this morning. Father, we come, Lord, and the best we know how we embrace the spirit of the fear of the Lord this morning. God, those in this room, those in the overflow watching online, Lord, we welcome the spirit of the fear of the Lord. Jesus, we welcome your attention upon the fellowship this morning. This Palm Sunday, Lord, where we recall your entrance into Jerusalem on a donkey as a conquering king, not as we expected, not as we suspected, Lord, not as we had believed. You came differently than we thought, but Lord, you came, and you're here, and you will come again on a white horse. And so prepare us, Lord, for that day, God. Establish us in your covenant. In Jesus' name, amen, amen, amen. Wow. Um, so, like I said, Michael has been preaching uh, through a series on covenants, and so we looked at um, all the covenants from Genesis uh, until until now, the new covenant. And so, I want to continue teaching uh, this morning on the new covenant. Um, I believe the new covenant is miraculous, and and I know I look calm inside, uh, but I'm exceedingly glad. I love being a Christian. I love being a Christian. I love being called by that name, I'm a Christian. I'm a son of God and I love it. I love that I've been born again. I love it. There is so much glory in that phrase, I have been born again. I am so grateful that my sins have been forgiven. I'm so thankful that I have access to God. No matter where I'm at emotionally, by faith, I have proximity to God. I'm so glad about that. I'm so thankful that being a Christian isn't a chore. It's not not a burden. It's a joyful thing. It's It's a glorious thing. It is an honor to be a son of God in these days. It's an honor. It's amazing. And for many of us and in our culture, being a Christian and the new covenant and born again, and these words have become cloudy. They've become confusing. They've become like, ooh, let's come up with a better word. Don't say that. Let's market it better. I don't know how you get better than being son of God, daughter of God. I don't know, we'll, we'll have a meeting about it, we can discuss it. I don't know how you get a higher identity life than son. Yes. Let me prove to us that we've actually taken this phrase for granted. John five, the Pharisees are like, we're gonna kill you. And he's like, why are you gonna kill me? What good work, you know, like, it's not for a good work, but you, Have made yourself equal with God, calling God your Father. Huh. See, I I believe something. I believe in this day we're comfortable with Jesus being God. But we're not comfortable with the reality of what happens to us in the new covenant when we're filled with the Holy Spirit see, we have to keep that revelation at bay because it makes us uncomfortable how grand and how big this new covenant is. So we have to distill it down. We have to hold some of these truths at bay so that we can kind of maintain some semblance of order. Because the reality is the new covenant is so glorious. It's so majestic. It's so permanent. It's so permanent Like, this thing will consummate in the new covenant. I've got news for you. There's not another covenant. There's not another framework. There's not another structure that's going to allow us to relate to God. The new covenant, it's what's going to bring this thing home. And I'm telling you guys, it's more glorious and majestic and beautiful. If you hear the phrase new covenant and you don't get up and have like a little, like, hitch in your step, you didn't see it right. If you can say, oh yeah, I'm a Christian, I'm a son. If you're ashamed to say it, my Lord, what has happened to us? Oh man, we were with some friends the other night and, and their son was having some health issues. And he's, he's 13 or so and we were praying for them and, and I, I got that kind of, you know, you get that crazy look in your eye because you're just like, oh Jesus, you're gonna heal this boy, you know? And I got this crazy look in my eye, and I could tell, like, I was like, okay, I'm, I'm being perceived, I'm pretty attentive, I'm aware, you know, I'm, I'm socially aware. I got pretty good EQ, right, Mike? And, and so I was like, okay, I'm, I'm coming across here kind of juiced up, and I just, I just owned it. I was like, you know what? I was like, I realize I'm kind of like losing it here. I was like, but I can't help it. I was like the God who parted the Red Sea, who raised Lazarus from the dead, like he's here and he's here and he's really, really intent on breaking off this affliction in your body. And I was like, I'm good with it. I'm cool, I get it, I'm, I'm, I'm out there. And I think it's time, guys, we own the majesty and the glory and the righteousness and the favor and the zeal and the passion and that we're unashamed because I think we've lost ground, in fact, by not celebrating what it means to be a son or daughter of God. It's happened secularly. I think married couples, I love being a heterosexual married couple to this beautiful woman of God. Listen the superpower of procreation. We have five kids. I don't know, see, I don't take it for granted. It's a blessing, it's a superpower given by God to produce life, fruit. Come on, somebody, if you got kids and you're thankful. No, but listen, listen, we gave way we gave way to culture and to the world in the church by going, well, let me just, let me just maybe have, I'm not, I don't wanna condemn or shame anyone here. Listen, but, but there's something, it's a superpower. Man and woman together in family and family pr- and be fruitful and fill the earth and multiply it. When did that become, well, let me just, you know, maybe kids can be a, a decoration to my life. Maybe they can be an add-on. Maybe they can, you know, like would it be easier for me if we had one kid? Yeah, probably. And for Christy, it would be easier. But my life, my I'm not a Christian for easy. I'm not, this is not to anyone's shame or what decisions you're making. I'm not speaking of that. I'm saying that there is some glory that God has entrusted to us that we cannot take and assimilate into the factory of our human mind and go, well, let me distill this down and tell God what he really meant when he gave us this thing of of covenant and of having family. And to each one, a lot is given and grace is given, amen? Amen. And so I wanna look at this. Um, Michael talked last week about this partial hardening, Romans 11, there's a partial hardening that's come upon the Jewish people, which means that they can't see. They can't see. They can't see what we see. And that should move your heart. I think one of the most loving statements in all of the Bible is in Romans 9 when Paul says, man, he says, I, I have such anguish in my heart for my own people. He goes, listen to what Paul prayed. He goes, I wish that I could be cut off from Christ for the sake of my countrymen. What's he saying? He's saying, I actually wish that if I could exchange my proximity, my relational access to God so that they could come in, I would do it. Do you, know, do you know what heart that is? That's the heart of Jesus. Jesus actually allowed himself to be cut off by death, went into the grave, why? So we could all come in. And so the heart of God, Jesus was formed in a man, a man and he prayed that prayer and michael talked about these untils there's an until the fullness of the gentiles come in and so my heart this morning i believe there's gentiles there's 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 sons of god that don't yet know it yet that haven't yet fully surrendered to this covenant and that god wants you in his family you're watching online you're in the overflow god wants you in his family Romans 9, 13 to 14, we put that up and then we're gonna hop in here. Romans 9, 13 to 14, Paul speaks to us and he says, guys, I'm speaking to you now, upper room, Inasmuch as much then as I am an apostle to the Gentiles, I magnify my ministry. I magnify my ministry. I put a magnifying glass on my ministry this is, this is awesome. This isn't self-promotion because he knew that his ministry came from God. So he goes, I'm gonna actually begin to magnify. I'm gonna put a magnifying glass on what I do all the time. I'm gonna magnify it. I'm gonna amplify it. I'm gonna get it on TikTok. I'm gonna call Brian. I'm gonna say, hey, get this out here. I need to magnify what I'm doing. Why would you do that, Paul? You're selfish. You're just trying to get followers and donors. No, 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 no. He says, I'm actually aware that me shining is going to provoke my countrymen to jealousy. You know why? That maybe some of them will be saved. Maybe it'll actually get them to come in and go, what is it that you have, you student of Gamaliel? What is it that happened to you? How is it that you have such joy, such freedom, such proximity, such glory in your life? Touch someone and say, it is time to shine. Hey church. If we're going to reach this world, hey, there's 7 billion people on this planet. It's time to shine. It's time to make some folks jealous. And so long as we keep as we keep mixing around and not allowing the spirit of glory to rest upon us and just going, "No, it's enough, God, forgiveness of sins is enough and a nice service is enough." It's not enough. The new covenant consumes everything. I wanna read this quote by a pastor uh, named Jack Mooring in, in Tennessee. I don't know him personally, but this quote is gripping to me. He says this, he says, the greatest event in human history has already happened. The life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ and all, say all, Of our living, working, and breathing is either a grateful response or a tragic neglect of this singular source of life. What I love about the new covenant is that it's not a movement. Let that sink in for a minute. I'm not speaking against movements, I love movements, but the new covenant's not a movement, it's not a season. The new covenant's not a season. Do you know what I mean by that? It doesn't change like spring, summer, winter, fall. It doesn't change. There's no shifting in it. The new covenant doesn't change. And I believe that when we tap into, by faith, the glory of this new covenant, we will be able to handle the movements and the seasons that are coming for us. Because make no mistake, there are seasons and there are movements. But when the movement becomes the fullness or the season becomes the fullness of your expression or where your identity comes from, all of a sudden now when the season shifts, your whole identity is crumbled. When the movement shifts to something else, your whole identity crumbles, why? Because your life was built on the movement or on the season and not the covenant. (sighs) So what was Paul's ministry that he magnified? Go to 2 Corinthians chapter three. If he magnified his ministry, let's look at what he magnified. Second Corinthians, chapter three. I wish I could read this whole chapter to you. Y'all doing okay? Second Corinthians, chapter three. Uh, let's go ahead and start in verse four if we can. Paul says, such is the confidence that we have through Christ toward, towards God. I'm going to say a few comments on the new covenant. This is uh, one, of the, one of the signs that you're living in the new covenant is you have Confidence. So it's a quick way to examine your life. Do I understand the new covenant? Am I, am I experiencing the new covenant? Do I have confidence with God? Do I have confidence before men? Am I, am I constantly like with fear of man and anxiety? That's a sign that you're not actually enjoying the beauty and power of the new covenant. And I don't want to have to recap this, but again, Michael shared this. The covenant is the skeleton upon which the story of redemption hangs. And so when we say new covenant, we're talking about the way you and I relate to God. We're talking about relationship. And I love that, that, that we're proclaiming that it's about Jesus, and it is a million percent, but Jesus says, this is how you relate to me under this confines. And so if you see Jesus, but you don't understand covenant, you're going to be frustrated. Because the covenant is like the, it's like the boundary lines. Like If I try to know Jesus, and I come over here, and I start slaughtering bulls to, to like cover my sins, he's going to go, you don't understand. You guys with me? I'm not gonna kill a bull to try to get right with God anymore. I'm not gonna try to do any other thing to try to get right with God anymore. Let me read my Bible to get right with God. I need to worship to get close to God. I worship because I'm close to him by the blood. Thank you, Lord. Your blood brings me near. The moment you put something else to nearness, you've said, thanks for your blood, but I've got it from here. But proximity in the new covenant, nearness, this is awesome. This levels the playing field. I don't care where you came from, your doctrinal background, if you can see, New Covenant, that Ephesians 2.13, you who were once far off, this is the word of God, this is not my opinion, this is not something, well, Peter, Well, I don't know about this, it's Ephesians 2.13. You who are once far off have been brought near by the blood of Jesus. Near. Okay, guys, I don't, I don't know if you can get better than near. Oh yes, I do, you can do, it's in. this mystery we proclaim it was hidden for all generations but now it's been made known now it's been revealed what's the mystery paul christ in you the hope of glory him we proclaim jesus we proclaim warning and teaching everyone with all wisdom and insight why because you need to understand christ in you And I think if we made a bigger identity of what it means to be a son or daughter of God, we would find it much easier to do the Christian things. Because all of a sudden, everything in the Christian life becomes absolutely, utterly simple if I actually believe and experience Christ in me. Now, if I don't believe Christ in me, whoo, that's a long road to hoe. Evangelism, oh. God. <laughs> Prayer, <sighs> come on. But what if he's in you? Loving people who are unlovable, <sighs> people who are unworthy. Come on, I'm not hurting any feelings, am I? God is in you. Move on, I know that. No, we don't. Oh, I get that. No, we don't. How do you get that? Is he in you? Differently than he was in Jesus? Does the spirit that was in Jesus' mortal body different than the spirit that's in your mortal body? That's disruptive. I don't care who you are in this room. That's disruptive, that's frustrating. Let it disrupt you. Let it frustrate you. Let it confront your unbelief. I remember reading in John 16, and Jesus finally has this aha moment. He goes, Dad, they finally believe that I came from you. And I remember reading that and I was like, Dad, I believe that he came from you. And I was like, why why was that such a marvel? And he says, you take for granted that a man was standing before them. Wait for it. Jesus stood before his friends, a physical man who ate food, who walked around. Yes, he did supernatural things, but they, you're from Nazareth. You were from Mary. Okay. You walked, you got dust on your feet. We saw it. We actually touched you. We hugged you. And when he said, hey, I'm I'm actually God. You know this whole God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob? Ta-da, it's me. No. You gotta understand the stumbling block of his flesh that would have caused them from believing that he's God. See, we never saw his flesh. We're like, oh, I believe. But they saw his flesh and they're like, You're okay, you're telling me. That the one that we pray to, that gave the, our fathers manna, the one that part of the Red Sea—it's you. Hold on, it's you. Why? Why would you put on? Why would you put on a body? Wait, why? Why would you become a seed in the womb of a woman? No, no, whoa. What? 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 See, they saw his flesh. And we know, we know our own flesh. Come on now. We know your own thoughts. And I'm convinced, church, that we've been trained to keep this revelation far, far away. Because if we truly brought it near, I think for the first few weeks we would just be in the fetal position, just crying and laughing. We'd be so satisfied. We wouldn't have insecurity. You wouldn't have fear of man. I'm serious. This is the remedy for the mental, spiritual, emotional pandemic that's in the body of Christ. The beauty and the power of what God has designed, not man, God has designed it this way for us to relate to him, that this is his desire to have this level of nearness with his people. He wanted to be that close to you. And if you're not confident at that thought, go revisit that thought. This applies to your marriage, the marketplace, parenting, anything that you feel inadequate in doing, you're like, okay, this is gonna be really challenging. This doesn't diminish challenges you face. This doesn't diminish pain, doesn't diminish hard things, but what does it do? It elevates you and supplies you with the living God. You have access now to God's mind, to his heart, to his grace, to his power, to his mind, to his solutions, to his humility, to his nature, to his character, to his forgiveness, to his deliverance, to his healing, to his power. It is in you. You're not earning it. You're not fighting for it. You're not breaking through and contending for it. Listen, he gave his apostles power and authority to heal. He was like, um, they're like, okay, we're gonna enter into a you know, 12-week-long season of, of getting the power. He's like, hey, actually, we're not gonna do it that way anymore. It's yours. Now go heal the sick, cast out devils, raise the dead. But Lord, we didn't stop it. I'm giving it to you. Freely you received. I wonder, I wonder if the breakthrough we're looking for is on the other side of just receiving from a benevolent God. I wonder if the breakthrough we're looking for is actually just repenting of the unbelief that it would be that simple that he would give it to us. He gave you Christ. Romans eight, he gave us Christ when we were least deserving. While we were sinners, Christ died for us. God gave you Christ in your least, he was like, hey, I just need to me- just mess with your value system here. I'm gonna give you the best thing when you're in the worst state to disrupt any thinking you would ever have that you, that you would actually receive from me based on your own merit. See, this is the issue you're having with the thing you're wanting, your thing you're contending for, is you actually believe it's of greater worth than Christ. So you feel like you have to work for it. But what did you do to receive Christ? Tell me. Tell me what did you do to position yourself to receive Christ? Christ. What did the father or did not the father freely give his son to the world? Did he withhold back some of them and say, well, I'm going gonna, gonna, gonna to give him the rest of you if you prove it. This is offensive. If you're offended, you're experiencing the offense of the cross. This is, it is intended to be offensive. Not needlessly, but to provoke us so that we can repent and go, God, I do not want to make a God of my own self. I want to make much of Jesus. I want to make much of the cross. I want to make much of this covenant that I have with you. Verse 5, not that we are sufficient in ourselves to claim anything as coming from us. This has nothing to do with our sufficiency. But our sufficiency is from God. Watch this, verse 6. Who has made us sufficient. Say sufficient. I am standing here not insufficient as a minister. I'm not lacking in this pulpit. I'm not lacking. I am completely sufficient to minister to you. That's not from me, that's from God. I boast in God, he's made me sufficient to do this. It's, it's false humility and pride to go, well, no, I just, you know, I don't really have anything. That's false humility. <laughs> if I were to disagree with God, I'd be wrong. I don't like disagreeing with God. And he's speaking to many of you right now, this morning, within the new covenant, and he's saying, stop considering yourself insufficient. God has made you sufficient for the task at hand. God has made you sufficient in your marriage. God has made you sufficient to to live the days to come, the persecutions, the, the all the things coming. You're sufficient. You can make it. You're gonna make it. You're gonna make it. You're sufficient. Not because of you, you're the sufficiency's not from you. Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? But God has. There's been a transaction within this covenant that God has made us partakers of the light, partakers of the divine nature, recipients of the abundance of grace and the free gift of righteousness. I wish someone in here was born again and would testify to what I'm saying. I really would. I really, I, I question. Oh, oh, Father, help me. Listen, (laughs) how do I say this? I love, I love, I love the melodies that we sing. But if you can only worship to a, a melody and not the truth, you're worshiping the melody. There's reason to worship in what I'm saying, and I'm giving you permission to worship God in what we're talking about. There's a way to consummate, to consummate, and to, and to come together with the truth by going, wow, thank you, God. See, it, 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 it's a sign of disbelief and unbelief, and I get the mind, and I, and I understand the renewal and the stretching, but listen, I wanna give your heart permission to respond to God in this moment. It's not distracting. He's the one. He's here. He's here. For the letter, look at this. He's made us sufficient to be ministers of a new covenant, not of the letter, but of the Spirit. Watch this. Verse seven. Now, if the ministry of death carved in letters on stone, he's talking about Moses' tablets. This is wild, Oh, Lord, if the ministry of death carved in letters on stone came with such glory, say glory, Glory. that the Israelites could not gaze at Moses' face because of its glory, which was being brought to an end, will not the ministry of the Spirit have even more glory? Listen. God gave the covenant to Moses, and he's shining like a light bulb. Let me tell you what glory is. Glory is a tangible manifestation of God upon his people that is visible, that is perceivable, that is interactable, It it is tangible. And you see this in Acts. The glory that was on Peter, boom, Ananias and Sapphira. The glory that was on Paul, grabbed a fleece and took it to demon-possessed people, and there was substance, there was glory that was not human. And the vision for God is that his people, not just one man, but a company of people would have more glory on them than on the man of God, Moses, coming down from the mountain shining like a light bulb. So what has happened? What, why, come on, why have we not seen it? I believe it's because we haven't honored the covenant. I believe it's because we don't have a fear of the Lord when it comes to the gospel, to the death, burial, resurrection of Jesus, his work as Messiah, his faithful ministry as a high priest right now, applying the work of his blood to your heart and to mine. Did you know that Jesus is in full-time ministry, Hebrews 8? The Bible says Jesus has obtained a ministry. And I believe more ministries would not burn out in ministry leaders if they surrendered to the full-time ministry of Jesus. Burnout and fallout and scandal is not normal, church. And we pray for those that happens to. We pray for them. We intercede. We ask that God would, would shore up the, the gaping holes in his bride. And he would, he, would, he would the love would cover a multitude of sins. Come on, we offer forgiveness, not judgment. Amen? But we have an opportunity in this hour. It's serious. It's serious. The days we're living in, it matters what you look like to the world. And God's design is that the glory that would rest upon us would far exceed that which rested upon Moses. Verse 10, indeed in this case, what once had glory has come to have no glory at all. Why? Because of the glory that surpasses it. For what was being brought to an end came with glory much more Will what is permanent have glory? The new covenant is permanent, friends. It's permanent. What I love about the new covenant is it doesn't change based on what kind of day I'm having, what's happening in my marriage, what's happening spiritually, whether I'm in a pulpit or not in a pulpit, whether my kids are behaving or not behaving. The new covenant's permanent. It's permanent. And the way of relating to God has shifted forever. We no longer relate to God by what we do. And there's three, I'm gonna give you three quick things and then we're gonna have a a parade fitting of those who've been born again, amen? Just a spiritual assembly of gladness. Just for five minutes as we close, y'all can come up. I'm gonna give three quick ones if you want. I say quick. (laughs) This is like trying to be a tour guide tour guide through Israel in 45 minutes it's unfair this is the new covenant there's three ways I believe that distinguishes the new covenant from every other covenant number one it's in how sin is dealt with the blood of Jesus is superior than the blood of a bull or a goat I want you to understand this about sin I know many of you are born again in this place some of you are not But I want you to understand something about sin. The Bible speaks of sins. uh, That's what you do. Those are the actions you take that are contrary to God's laws and his ways that results in death. The wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life. But there's also sin. And sin is that which we've inherited from Adam and Eve, which has deadened our spirits to God. The simplest way I can put it is this, is the effect of sin upon a person is that they can't perceive God. Where'd God go? That's sin. And so if you walk into a place and you're like, I don't know where God is, sin is doing that. Doesn't mean that you're being sinful, it just means that sin is doing that. And the gospel, the good news says this, watch this, the cross deals for everything you did in all of your sinfulness, it gets buried in a grave. So you have a cross in a grave. So the cross, all the, all the bad things, the murder, the lust, the, the hatred, the things you said, the things that happened to you, all of your sin was to go on that cross. That's the invitation. Not just I did this for you, but I did this as you. And so the invitation of the gospel is don't just see that I paid something for you. I want you to see yourself on this cross as well. It's beautiful. It's beautiful. And then he says, oh, by the way, not just what you did, but everything, every effect of sin upon your heart that deadened you to my presence, that made you unable to perceive my nearness, I actually buried it in a grave. Everything. Everything. It's the only way God will ever deal with sin in your life is through the cross and through his grave. Do you hear me? It's the only way. If you try to go another way, it won't work. You'll keep going around and you'll keep wrestling with sin. But here's the beauty of the new covenant that Jesus Christ came to set us free, and free indeed we will be. The Christian was designed to live free from sin until Christ comes. That shouldn't be revelatory, but it is. Number two, our access. In the old covenant, only a select people could be close to God. If being close to God doesn't make your heart beat, you may have a small God. In the old covenant, only a few could be close, really, really close. But in the new covenant, we've been resurrected with Jesus to newness of life and he's actually brought us into himself by the Holy Spirit. And our proximity is this, I have been born again. As John says, we are from God. God is my Father. John 1, 12 to 13, to those who received him who believed in his name, he gave them the right to be born not of flesh, not of blood, not of man, but born of God. Your access to God, friends, as a believer in Jesus Christ is this, it's this, you must be born again. And if you're born again, you're a son, you're a daughter, and you can't get closer than Christ in you by the Holy Spirit. And the third thing is, that's access, the third thing is, is our ability to make him known. It's so much more than just blessings and look at what I have. It's the very nature of Jesus in us. Your friends and family that knew you, that knew you when you didn't know God. And they're like, what happened to you? And I believe there's two hallmark signs that the nature of Christ is being formed in you and growing. It's that you love your enemies. You love people that you would your enemy it's one of the signs that you're growing up and maturing into him and number two that you're an extravagant giver sin makes you selfish God makes you generous with your time with your affection with your resources with everything you have God makes you generous for God so loved the world he gave it's the simplest form of evangelism is just giving that's your evangelism training this morning. Evangelism is giving extravagantly that which you have. And in your giving and in your kindness and your goodness, people will see God. Say, what is that? Why did you do that? Oh, God's good. He loves you. you stand to your feet? We're celebrating Palm Sunday. Stay in the spirit with me. We're celebrating Palm Sunday, Jesus's triumphal entry into Jerusalem where he would be crucified on Golgotha. And there's some here in this room or in the overflow room and you don't actually know that you've entered into the new covenant with Jesus Christ. You don't actually know that he died on a cross for your sins, that you can be born again this morning. And so here's what we're gonna do. These guys are anointed by God and they're gonna begin to play the sound of this procession of Jesus coming in. And the rest of you who are saved and born again, you can just get lost in the glory of being saved and born again. I can't think of anything better. But here, listen, there is a, there is a carpet up here for you. And if you've not been born again, I wanna, I wanna invite you to come and to cry Hosanna. And Hosanna just means, God, save me. Hosanna, save me. Save me save me. I want the covenant that this guy's talking about. I want that with you. If that's you, come. We're going to begin to play.